Hey, let's do some spiritual calisthenics. Everybody stand to your feet real quick if you can. Some of you groaned. You're like, oh. I just like started to sink into the seat. It was getting slightly more comfortable. Hey, I believe that the Lord wants to speak to us this morning. And there's something cool that happens when we just actively engage with him and open our hearts and even some sort of action that we just you know, act out to let him know, Father, I'm here, I'm ready to listen, I'm ready to hear from your word, and I'm ready to be changed. So would you just join me this morning? Just put your hands out. Let's just open our hearts. Let's open our minds to everything the Lord wants to speak to us today, okay? Father, we are here today to engage with you. God, we give you this time, and we recognize that your word has power to change our lives, to transform us more into the image of Christ. And today, Lord Jesus, we are not here just to get information. We want revelation that will lead to transformation in our individual lives. So, Father, we give you our lives right now. We give you our fullest attention, just as we sang about earlier. We pray in Jesus' name that your word would come alive and lead us forward into everything you have for us today. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, we, yeah. Go ahead, grab your seat. We are in a series called Perspectives. And what we're talking about is a handful of biblical topics where we are looking at our own perspectives on these topics But more importantly, asking the question, what does God's word have to say about this? And does my perspective align with God's word? Or more specifically, does my life align with God's word when it comes to this topic? Am I practicing these principles from scripture the way that God intended me to? And today we're going to talk about a topic that is huge all throughout scripture. And it's the topic of worship. Worship. Now, that's kind of the banner and the headline of this message. We're going to talk about worship. But there's a few other words that we'll refer to today as well. So let me just start off by asking you the same question we've asked over the last two weeks. What is your perspective on worship? When we say the word worship, what do you think of? What's the first thing that comes to mind? What's the first thing that kind of resonates in your heart when you hear that word worship? What is it? See, when we ask what worship is, we tend to get a lot of different perspectives on worship. And a lot of that is formed from our church backgrounds and the different expressions and styles of church that we might have grown up in. Or maybe you don't have a church background at all, yet there are images that you have seen that kind of show us what worship is and you have a perspective of your own. Sometimes when we ask that question, what is worship, it can lead to a few other questions. Specifically, is worship a verbal declaration? Is that all that it is? Is worship a physical action? Or is worship a posture of the heart? Those are three important questions that people ask all the time when we ask what worship is. And the answer to all three of those questions is yes, it's all of those things. And we're going to dive deeper today and talk about worship. But here's a principle I want to establish at the beginning of this message today. So if you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. And if you're like me and you have a church background, you are probably fortunate enough to have somebody tell you this at some point in your life. But if nobody's ever told you this, Here's some really good insight right here. You ready for this? You and I were created by God to worship God. You and I were created by God to worship God. Another way of saying it is that we were created by God for God. And when you look throughout scripture, you see a a really large map and layout of how humanity and creation exists to worship God. And I'll walk you through this quickly. In Genesis, we see all of creation, God's creation, living in harmony with each other and with God. And there's no sin in the beginning. Sin has not yet entered the picture because of disobedience. So what we have is God, humanity, and nature living in harmony. And all of it, the life, the world that God created was obedient worship 
to God. It was a setting of worship. In the Psalms, we see that David in multiple places speaks of creation giving glory to God and humanity giving glory to God as God's own special creation. Then in Romans chapter 1, Paul speaks of God's power and divine nature being revealed through creation, creation worshiping God. And then in Philippians 2, the Apostle Paul also writes that ultimately, in the end, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And all of this points to the reality that you and I were created to worship. When God created his creation of humanity, nature, the birds of the sky, the, the fish of the sea, and everything in between, he created it all to worship him. And when this life is said and done and we step into eternity, we are going to enter into that great worship service in eternity where we all cry out the goodness and the holiness of our God. You and I were created to worship. And it's so important that we understand that. Because if we can recognize this, then we will make a decision or we will be confronted with a choice of what am I worshiping and is my life bringing praise and worship to God. Now, with all of that said, it's also important to understand that there are many different ways that we can worship God with our lives. And we're going to talk about some specific things here in just a few minutes. But let me just note a few things that the scriptures talk about when it comes to worship as a lifestyle, okay? Jesus said in John 13 that we can worship, worship God by loving and serving others as he did. First John 5, the apostle John says that we can worship God through our obedience to his word. So worship through obedience. In Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 6, we see Paul talking about how we can worship God by honoring him with our bodies. So it's another form of worship. And in 2 Corinthians 9, Paul goes on and says that we can worship God through our giving into his ministry. And then finally, Colossians 3, we can worship God through our work. We can work and serve as unto the Lord. And that can be worship unto God. So there are many different forms of worship that Scripture talks a lot about. But today I want to focus on the kind of worship that Scripture speaks to the most. And that is the physical act of worshiping God both corporately or collectively as a church family, as well as individually. And in talking about worship today, I want to ask two important questions. Number one, what is worship? And number two, why do we do it? What is worship and why do we worship? So let's talk for a minute about worship and just kind of define what it is in an English understanding as well as a scriptural understanding. If you just look to the English dictionary definition of what worship is, we see that Webster's defines it like this, to honor or show reverence as a, as a divine being or supernatural power, to regard with great or extravagant respect, honor, or devotion. Now, I want to point something out to you before we go forward. When we see these words in that definition, respect, honor, and devotion, all of those are positions of the heart. But when you see worship in its English form, the word is a verb. So we have to understand that worship is only expressed when we honor, show, or regard. In other words, it's only expressed when we give it away. Worship is more than just a posture of my heart. It only becomes true worship when it goes from here to here, and I express it unto God. 
It's kind of like the concept of thanksgiving. You and I can say that we have hearts that are full of gratitude, but nobody knows how grateful we are until we start to speak out the thanks that we say is in our heart. Thanks isn't thanksgiving until it's given away. And the same principle applies to our worship. When you look at the word worship and praise throughout scripture, we see that most of the time it takes on the form of a verb. It's action that's declared out in praise and worship and honor to our God. But not only that, when we see that English definition of worship, that word worship actually comes from an old English compound word meaning worth-ship. In other words, our worship is a reflection of the worth and the value that we place upon the object of our affection. So the psalmist said it this way. He said, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. In other words, if I believe that my God is great, then my praise and my worship should reflect just how great I think he is. And that's why we worship extravagantly or in such a way that we express worship outwardly to our God. And that's an English understanding, but let's go deeper into the scriptures. When we see the word worship in the Old Testament and the New Testament, they're written in two different languages yet take on the exact same meaning. In the Old Testament Hebrew, the word worship is the word shaka, and the word in the New Testament is the word proskuneo. And these two words both mean the exact same thing. They mean to bow, to kneel, or more specifically, to prostrate, like to lie face down in honor on the floor. It's like recognizing that a king has entered into the room. And that's a picture of what worship is from Old Testament to New. And as we said, both words have a very similar meaning, to bow, to kneel, or to prostrate oneself. And there's also another word, though, that we use a lot, and I've already spoken it, but it's a word that cannot be detached from the word worship in Scripture. Every single Sunday when we come into this house, we begin our service with a time of praise and worship. And there are a bunch of different words in the Old Testament especially that are translated into the English as praise and worship. They kind of take on both sides. And I want to talk for a moment about this idea of praise, okay? Because praise is something that we talk about but sometimes don't fully understand exactly what it is. And in the Old Testament, there's a lot of words and actions that get translated into this one word that we call praise. And I want to give you some examples of this, but let's jump into the word for a minute here, okay? Go to Psalm 100 with me this morning. Psalm 100. And if you know the Psalms very well, you're kind of into looking who wrote these. Psalm 100 is very interesting because the Jewish tradition tells us that this is actually handed down as a Psalm of Moses. Psalm 90 and 100 are both that way. Read with me in Psalm 100 and verse 4. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Everybody say thanksgiving. Make sure you're awake with me this morning. And enter his courts with praise. There's that word. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Now, I want to point out four words from there, okay? Thanksgiving, praise, thankful, and bless. All four of those words that show up right there in that one verse, they all have different Hebrew words behind them in the original writings. But each one of those four words in the Hebrew are often translated into this one word, praise. So let me give you some of the words that we see in Scripture that are translated praise because I think this helps us to understand what true praise and worship to God really is. One Jewish, or excuse me, one Hebrew word for praise is the word hala, which means to boast, to brag, or rave about God. Some of you are like, hala. To boast, to rave, or to brag 
about God. Is there anybody in the house this morning that has something to boast about when it comes to what God has done for you in your life? There's the word yada, which means to worship with raised or extended hands. You might come from a background where that's not the norm and you walk through the doors of this church or a church kind of like ours and you're like, it's weird. People were singing and their hands were raised. I didn't understand why. Because scripture tells us that one of the ways we praise God is by lifting our hands and giving him the praise that he deserves. Not only that, but another word in the Hebrew is the word barak, which means to give a blessing to God. Think about that for a minute because a lot of us come to church wanting God to give a blessing to us. But one picture of praise and worship is not God bless me, it's me bless God, proclaiming blessings upon the mighty name of Jesus. And then not only that, and you got to listen to this one closely, okay, to make sure that you get the full understanding of this, but another Hebrew word for praise is the word tehillah, with an H in the middle, not a Q in the middle. It's the Hebrew word tehillah, and what it means is to sing or to, la- or to a laud aloud. And some of you are like, that's funny, Zach, because I only sing and laud aloud when I've had too much tehillah. (laughs) And it's also a reminder today that God gave most of us a sense of humor, and it's okay to laugh in church. How many are thankful for that? So tehillah means to sing or to laud the Lord aloud. There's the word zamar, which means to play or pluck the strings of an instrument. That means that we don't just have a band and instruments up here because it's the 21st century and that's kind of what sounds good now. This is what's been going on since there were instruments invented. People played instruments in praise unto our God and it's right there in the scriptures. And then finally, there's the word toda, which means to shout or address with a loud voice. I'll tell you something, some of us come to church and we're a little bit shocked if somebody around us shouts out loud because they are so thankful for what God has done in their life. And you're like, wow, that person, see, Mike Davis knows what to do. Some of us are like, wow, that person's trying to draw attention to themselves. No, no, no. They're trying to draw attention to the greatness of their God. When we try to draw attention to ourselves, it becomes emotionalism and our worship ceases to be spiritual. But we can shout aloud because our God is worthy of a loud praise. If we believe he's a great big God, then we can give him great big praise. Now watch this. I told you there were four different Hebrew words right there in Psalm 100 that are often translated praise. They're translated other ways in this passage, but watch. If we go back and reread Psalm 100 and we take the words that are in there and we read it in a literal form, this is how it reads. Psalm 100 verse four. Enter his gates with shouts of praise and a loud voice and into his courts with singing and lauding, raising your hands in thanksgiving to God and proclaim a blessing upon the name of Jesus. That's literally how that reads in the original writings. Except I added in Jesus because he came later and he is Lord. But the point is, when we express praise to God in an exuberant way, when we're demonstrative in our praise and our worship, that might not be the norm for a lot of people, but it is very, very scriptural. And the Old Testament lays it out so clearly for us. Now, it is our culture here at the Bridge Church to boast and to rave about God's goodness, to praise him with hands extended to heaven, to proclaim blessings upon the mighty name of Jesus, to sing to him loudly, to play musical instruments in praise to him and to shout of his greatness. And that is why we praise God the way that we do in this house. Listen, 
Just because we do it this way doesn't mean we do it the perfect way or that we're better than anybody else. But that's what we believe when we go back to Scripture, see the example. Great is the Lord, so greatly shall we praise him. Amen. I'll amen myself. Now that's praise, but let's come back to where we started. Let's go back to the word worship, okay? As we established earlier, the word worship simply means to bow, to kneel, or to prostrate oneself before God. So technically speaking, there are some differences between praise and worship. See, praise is boldly declaring, but worship is humbly bowing. Praise is about God, but worship is to God. Praise is opening up, worship is entering in. Praise applauds what God has done, and worship honors who God is. And again, technically speaking, there are differences between these two words, but we have to understand that praise and worship, they go hand in hand. Let's talk a little bit more about worship today, since that's our theme, okay? Flip over a couple of pages to Psalm 103. Psalm 103. We were in Psalm 100. Now go to chapter 103. Now this is a Psalm of David. And watch what he says here. He writes these words. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless, notice these words, his holy name. Let's pause right here for a moment because it's important to ask this question. Who is our God? Who is our God to you? When I think about who God is to me, I have to start with what pastor said last week. God is my father. He is my loving heavenly father. He's my father. He's my creator. He's my king, my master, my Lord, and he is my savior. So therefore, what we conclude when we read the beginning of Psalm 103 is that we praise God first and foremost above all else for who he is. We praise and worship God for who he is. And I want you to catch this because, again, I like to brag on my dad a little bit. Pastor Gary's my dad. And he taught me this at a very young age, and it stuck with me for a very, very long time, all my life. I'm so grateful when we come into a place like this and we can worship the Lord freely and openly together because when God shows up, amazing things happen. But I'll tell you what, God would be worthy of my praise even if he didn't show up and even if I got nothing out of it. Did everybody catch that? He is worthy of my worship because of who he is first and foremost. And even if I got nothing in return, he is God and he would still be worthy of all of my praise. But you want to hear just how good our God really is? He wants to be involved in our life. Look at verse two. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Is there anybody else who's discovered there are a lot of great benefits of walking with God? We worship him for who he is first and foremost, but we don't forget about his blessings and benefits. The psalmist goes on. He says, he forgives all of your iniquities. How good is that? Chief among all my blessings is the fact that God has forgiven my sins and brought me back into relationship with himself. What an amazing God he is who heals all of your diseases. How many people are grateful that our God is still a healer here today in the 21st century? He redeems your life from destruction. He crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. And he satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. See, we praise and worship God for who he is and for what he's done. We will not forget all of his benefits. There are benefits that come along to walking in relationship with God. Now, 
Every single one of our Sunday services here at the bridge, if you're a regular here, you know this, but every single one of our Sunday services, we start with a time of praise and worship. And I think that that's the norm at most churches, especially in the evangelical world, if you will. But we start our services with a time of praise and worship. And if you've ever been to Connecting Point, we talk about this so openly and clearly because it means a lot to us. Our time of praise and worship, when we come into God's house, it's not our time. It's God's time. I'll say it again. It's not our time. It's God's time. Now, I know that the way we teach praise and worship and how we talk about it, a lot of time the way that we say it is, yes, my praise and my worship does invite God into my life, and that's true. But I think we need to flip it around and understand that when we have the opportunity to be in the house of God with the people of God praising and worshiping our God, it's as if he is divinely inviting us into his presence. And if it's not my time and it's God's time, then wouldn't it be sad if I were to devalue the time that we're supposed to be spending with God in praise and worship? And I'm gonna be really honest with you. Is it okay if I just kind of go a little bit deeper? Is that okay? I'll apologize in advance if I step on anybody's toes. I think sadly there are a lot of us who devalue this time of corporate praise and worship on Sunday mornings. And here's what I mean by that. We set aside probably about 20 minutes or so of the beginning of our service. And a lot of us, we come and we enter in, but for a lot of us, we're kind of just like, I can take it or leave it as long as I get to church. I might catch some of it. If I hear the message, that'll be good enough just to kind of get me through the week and all that stuff. But I think the thing that we fail to realize is that praise and worship is like setting a table so that we can then enter into a great feast. And what we often want is to feast on the things that we want God to give us, but we haven't come in and set the table first. I'll tell you a story. We uh, got invited to a birthday party a few weeks ago, and my wife and I went to this birthday party. And I noticed while we were at this birthday party that the host, you know, I got there as quick to as on time as I could as possible. And let me just say this. I got four kids, okay? It's hard to get anywhere on time. I get it. I understand. But with all that said, we got to this birthday party, and a show up, and, you know, people came, and there was a few people that didn't get there toward the beginning because, you know, you know how we are as people. We're like, I don't want to be the first one there. That'll be kind of awkward. So we show up when we want, maybe fashionably late. And pretty soon the timing of things isn't about the person we're celebrating. It's about us because I come when I want. And we treat a party and its invitation as if it's an open house. You can come and go as you please when you want. But we're at this party and I noticed that the host of the party was kind of walking back and forth and they began to go and look at the front door and then they would walk to the front and look out the blinds. And I, I thought maybe they needed some help. So I just asked the person that was hosting, I said, do you need any help? And they looked back at me and said, no, 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 everything's good. I've just been kind of waiting on some people to get here because I've got plans of things we're gonna do at this party. But not everybody's here yet and I don't want them to arrive and there not be any food on the table. I don't want the dessert to be all gone because you see, I've made plans, but people haven't come here on time to be a part of what I have planned. And it hit me that day after even having a couple of other conversations about it that sometimes, man, we treat occasions like that like it's about us, not the person we came to celebrate. And I think that sometimes we can do the exact same thing with praise and worship in this collective setting. We can treat time like it belongs to us and not God and suddenly the time of which we came and the time of which we left is about us and the person that we came to celebrate was never honored in our coming. Is everybody following me this morning? Um, listen... 
Before God, I'd be wrong to criticize you for being late to church, okay? Don't, don't, hear, don't take it that way. That's not the point of this. But the point is, I think sometimes God has things that he wants to do in our collective gathering, and we're just like, eh, I can take it or leave it. I'll come on my terms on my time. And God's like, that's fine, but you're not going to receive everything that I had planned. Worship has a great way of setting a table for a great feast. And I would encourage you, if you want to partake, then join in the rest of God's creation and set a table for him to come and dwell among us. Amen? All right, and if you got offended by that, forgive me. We'll pray for you. Okay, so that was the first, that was the first question, right? What is worship? But let's go on to the second question because it's equally important. That's what worship is. It's praise in action. It's the bowing and kneeling of our hearts and our lives and our knees unto God. But why do we do it? Why do we worship? Go with me to Psalm 95, okay? Psalm 95. Backwards a little bit from where we were. This is what it says in Psalm 95. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel, a literal picture of worship, before the Lord our maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. And that talks about him being our shepherd throughout the course of our life. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Again, that's a literal picture of what the word worship means. If you're taking notes this morning about why it is that we worship, here's one thought I want to give you on why we worship, okay? The reason we worship God is because worship puts God in his proper place and it puts me in mine. When we worship God, we place him up on the throne that he deserves to sit upon and it also places us in our proper position, which we are his kingdom servants. Let me ask you a question. Who sits on a throne? A king. When we come and we worship God, we are putting in him in his proper place of authority over our lives. And we are taking our proper place under his authority as his kingdom servants. That's what it does. The name of this series is Perspectives. You want to talk about finding perspective? Worship will do it quickly. It shows who God is and who I am within his kingdom plan. And we said it again, it puts God in his place and it puts me in mine. And when I understand this about worship, it will take my walk with God to a completely different level. Now, flip over one more time to Psalm 22. Psalm chapter 22. I was telling first service, this is probably my second favorite psalm. My favorite psalm is those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. They will be fresh and flourishing even in old age. And somebody said amen. <laughs> That's not the point of the message, but I love that psalm. This one is my second favorite because this one is the one that really hits home for me. Psalm 22, look at verse three. David writes these words. He says, but you are holy. Speaking to the Lord, God, you are holy. And then look at this word. You are enthroned on the praises of of Israel. That word enthroned speaks to a throne. A throne is built upon the praises of Israel or your people. Let me ask you one more time. Who sits on a throne? A king. If you look at this in the King James and you read it in, the, in that interpretation, or excuse me, that translation, it says, God, you inhabitest or you inhabit the praises of your people. Maybe that's the way that your Bible reads. God, you inhabit the praise of your people. And that word in the original writings, it literally means that God lives upon, he dwells upon, he rests upon, or resides upon the praises of his people. 
Let me paint an even clearer picture. There are a lot of us who come to church, and when we get in the presence of God or worship, praise and worship is happening, it's like the atmosphere changes, and we can't quite put our finger on what's different, but something's different. Can I tell you why? It's because the king just walked into the room. And when the king walks into the room, everybody bows and everybody takes notice. But the way that Psalm 22 lays this out, God, you're enthroned, you inhabit the praise of your people. What that literally means is that when you and I come into this room and collectively we choose, listen, praise and worship is a choice. The writer of Hebrews said, I'll bring a sacrifice of praise. It's going to cost me something. At the very least, it's going to cost me the effort of entering in. But listen, when we come in and we choose to praise God and to worship God, we are building an altar for a king to come and sit on, a throne for a king to come and sit on. And that's why the atmosphere changes when we come into this place. And it's like, I can't put my finger on it, but it's like the king just walked into the room. I'll tell you something. Everything changes when God shows up. Everything changes when God shows up. In closing this morning, I was thinking about this idea of everything changing in the presence of God when the king walks into the room. I think for a lot of us, we struggle when we walk out of this place because there was something that was going on in that atmosphere. There was something that was happening in that room. There was just something that was different. And we walk out and we feel like weaker Christians Monday through Saturday because whatever was going on in that moment and in that atmosphere was different than what my life feels like Monday through Saturday. And we struggle sometimes because we tend to think that that's only available on Sunday when I'm with my church family. But one of the greatest revelations that we can have as believers is that God wants to inhabit, come and make his home, his throne upon our praise. He wants to do that every single day of our lives. And guess what else? We have the opportunity to invite him in every single day of our lives. You know, many of you who have been here at the bridge for a long time and you've heard me preach a few times, you've heard me tell bits and pieces of my testimony. I got my life together and kind of got back on the right path when I was 23 years old. Spent five years away just walking my own path. And God got my attention when I was 22, 23 years old. You know, I grew up in a Christian home. And I grew up hearing the word of God, hearing Bible stories in Sunday school. And a lot of that stuff, it all stuck with me. And I understood the truth of God's word. And later on, a lot of that stuff that was planted in my heart just came alive in an even greater way later on. But I'll be really honest with you. One of the greatest turning points in my life happened one night during a worship service. Many of you have heard me tell this story, but I'll tell it in a little bit of a different way. I was in a service like this. There was a gentleman who was going to preach. He was going to get up and speak to, our, to the whole service the way I'm speaking to you. And he happened to play the saxophone, and before he got up to preach, he started playing his saxophone to a track, to a song. And it was nice, I sat and I listened just like everybody else. I watched what was happening in the room. And then the track ended and it died out and it faded away and he just kept playing. And it was like right there in that moment as that man began to con- or just began to play another song on his saxophone, he went from the song that he was playing to suddenly he began playing Amazing Grace. Right there on his saxophone. And when I look back and I reflect upon that moment, it's as, if, it's as if he quit playing as if everyone else was listening and he just played into the only one that mattered, which was the Lord. Like there was nobody else in the room. 
And he just kept playing and kept playing. And right there in that moment, as that man worshiped as if nobody else was in the room, I had an encounter with the presence of God that got my attention. And it was like the Lord was drawing me back in, saying, Zach, you ready to come home? I still love you. I'm still with you. I'm still for you. I still have a plan for your life. Are you ready to come back? And as I stood there in the presence of God, that man played his saxophone as if nobody else was in the room and he was only playing to the Lord. And I stood there and I wept like a baby. And I think under normal circumstances, I would have stood there wondering, are people going to see me cry? What are they going to think? Is people going to think my life is a wreck? My life's a mess? What are they going to think about me? But I'll tell you what, the presence of the Lord was so strong in the room that night that I stood there as if nobody else was in the room but me and God. When I look back upon that night, I'm reminded that our praise and our worship, it's not for everybody else around us. It's to the only one who deserves it. And I know this sounds like a funny phrase, but when we sing to God, we should sing to God as if no one else was listening. Because we're not worshiping anybody else. We're worshiping the only one who is worthy of all of our praise. See, everything changes when we get in the presence of God. Everything changes. And it's one of the greatest reasons why we worship, because God longs to be in communion with us. I remember that night as I sat there in that service, just crying like a baby. I did the only thing I knew how to do. And that was just to come back and say, God, here I am. I bow my life at your feet. Literally, I bow my knees at your feet. And that day changed my life forever because it was an invitation to come back into relationship with God. But here's the deal. Having encounters in the presence of God or with the presence of God is not limited to Sunday because, as I said, God wants to have that with us every day of our lives. I love to preach and teach the Word of God, but one of the things I've discovered over the years is that my message ain't much unless it starts with this. And I don't say this to sound super humble to all of you guys, but on Sunday mornings when I get here early in the morning, this has to come before that. And what I've found over the years is that a lot of people struggle when it comes to getting into God's word and allowing it to come to life to them. To them. But what if before I got into God's word, I got down on my knees and said, God, I put you in your proper place and I put me in mine and I honor you as the king of my life. What I've discovered is that when I open my Bible, things come to life when I do this first. When I pray to God, man, it's so much better when I do this first. I don't know what your life looks like and what your prayer life looks like, what your time with the Lord looks like, but I'll tell you, most of the opportunities that we have don't happen in a setting like this. They happen when nobody else is around. You might say, Zach, I don't have a very good singing voice. Well, guess what? That's all right, God gave you that voice. And to tell you the truth, he's not impressed with our talent. He just wants us to give him back what he gave us. You might say, Zach, I don't even know what to say. I don't know all the words to these songs on the screens. I find for me, when I get in moments like this, I go back to the songs that I grew up with because it's resonated and it's stuck in my heart for all these years. And it serves as a reminder that I can always invite the presence of God into my life every single day. Would you bow your heads with me this morning?
I love you, Lord. And I lift my voice to worship you, oh my soul, rejoice, take joy, my King, in what you Let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. Come on, we sing that with me. And I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to I exalt 
God, we rest in your presence. God, we declare that when you step into the room, everything changes. God, you have our fullest attention. God, I pray that in this moment, you would remind us that you want to be near every single day of our lives. You're not distant, you're not far off, but if we will invite you in, you will come and take a seat at the table. God, I pray that in this moment, as your presence is in this place, I pray in Jesus' name that you would rekindle a fire that feels dormant in many hearts. I pray that you would rekindle that fire, rekindle that relationship, Lord Jesus, that people would know you every single day and that these moments of experience in your presence would remind us that we can't do it on our own. We would have a new hunger and a new thirst to chase after you and to invite you in every single day. We honor you in Jesus' name. Hey, with heads bowed and eyes closed, just for one more moment, man, the presence of God is in this place. God inhabits the praise of his people. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with God. We're almost finished this morning, but this might be the most important thing we do all morning. Maybe you don't have a relationship with God and you say, Zach, I would love to have the presence of God active and at work every single day of my life. Simply begins with saying yes to Jesus and inviting him into your life. Scripture tells us that each and every one of us have been separated from God because of our sin and our imperfection. But God in his perfection, love and grace sent his very best, Jesus, to this earth in exchange for our very worst, our sin. Jesus went to the cross and died a death we deserved as a punishment so that we could be forgiven and our sin be atoned for. And if we would put our faith in the sacrifice that he made, we could come back into relationship with God. I wanna invite you this morning, if you've never done that, to make a decision to invite Jesus into your life and walk into a relationship with our, your heavenly Father who loves you with everything. I'm gonna pray a prayer in just a moment. It's not about magic words. I'm not even gonna ask you to repeat after me, but if you wanna take my words and make them your, your own, just say these words out loud, or maybe you wanna have words of your own, just committing your life to Christ today. God, I thank you that you sent Jesus to this earth to take my place on the cross that I deserved. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that he was sinless and that his death paid the price for my atonement and my forgiveness. So today I put my faith in Jesus for the sacrifice that he made. I confess that he was raised from the dead so that I could have new life too. I choose to follow you from this day forward. I want you to be my savior and become the Lord of my life. So I invite you in, I receive you, and I thank you today, Lord, for receiving me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, as you're standing there for just another moment, we're gonna be done here pretty quickly, hang tight. If you made that decision this morning, we just wanna put a gift in your hand to help you start your relationship with God. It's a small book called The Next Seven Days, and there's two different ways you can get it. After service, we'll have prayer teams right down here in front of the platform. Just walk down to one of our prayer teams, let them know you made a decision, you wanna get that gift. We'll give it to you. We don't need anything from you, but we're happy to help however we can. If we need to go quickly at the end of service, just stop by the next seven days desk. It's right between the glass doors before you exit the building. We would love to put that in your hands. If you have a prayer request, you want someone to stand with you in faith, please come see one of our prayer teams. That's why they are here. But we are glad you made that decision today. And we want to welcome you into the family of God. Can we put our hands together this morning? Let's welcome people into God's family today. And... Thanks for putting up with my singing voice, all right? Have a seat. Uh, you can be seated for just one more moment. We're almost finished. Um, just want to share a couple things before we finish today. First of all, there we go. 
I wasn't sure if everybody left or not for a minute there. I didn't see anybody. Hey, a couple things. Number one, um, give Pastor Zach a good hand for that message. That was awesome. Great. This is the time in service where we take a moment and just worship God with our giving. And, you know, years ago we passed the basket and so forth. We don't do that anymore. There are a number of different ways that you can give and different people give different ways. Those different means or methods are on the screen. Uh, I just want to say thank you so much for your faithfulness in giving. It, it, it is so cool to see the way that we're touching people's lives through community care, through things that we're doing in the community, through the ministry of the church, children, youth, so forth. Partners we're involved with around the world. Your giving is making a difference. And I just want to say thank you so much today for your faithfulness in giving. And Zach talked about worship. If you look at scripture closely, giving to God is a part of our worship. And when you see it that way and you give in worship to God, it makes all the difference in your heart. So thank you so much for your faithfulness in giving. If you want to give a, a physical gift today, there are envelopes on the back of the chairs. Pick up one of those envelopes, put the gift in. Uh, there are giving stations as you leave the auditorium on each side of the exit doors. There's also one in the children's check-in area. And again, thank you so much for your faithfulness in giving. Then the very last thing. Today is our Connect Group launch. We're having our expo outside this morning. And we would love to get connected with you. We've got all kinds of Connect Groups, special interests, age and stage of life groups, women's groups, men's groups, all kinds of groups. We'd love to get connected with you. So on your way out, take a few minutes, stop by, see the different groups and figure out where you fit best. We want to get connected with you. Finally this morning, God bless you. We love you today. Thanks for being in church with us. It's been a great Sunday morning. Have a great, great week. God bless you.